This is the Car Dealer Podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budgets and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask a guest to choose whose stories were the best. Welcome back today to James Batchelor, who will be choosing the stories with me. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Becca. Thanks for having me back on. Very exciting. Good to have some good competition because James hasn't been doing very well. Oh, really? Well, that does make me feel a lot better. So. Good. <laughs> Uh, this week we have two judges. We have Joel Combs and John McDougall from Logistics. Welcome to you both. How are you doing? Uh, good, thanks. Thanks for having us back on. Good, thank you. So Joel Combs, most people know, is Managing Director. And John, you are Legal Advisor at Logistics. So John, I want to pick your brain. So we're going to get straight into it because um, we had some news from Logistics recently about... Um, basically sort of ambulance chasers I don't know if I'm allowed to call them that on on the radio um coming after car dealers because of um the way that they've been operating their finance in the past so I'd love if you could give us a little brief overview about what's actually going on and what you're seeing at logistics at the moment okay yeah yeah so so basically these ambulance chasers are are solicitors or claims management companies and basically they're um, they're writing to our, our clients basically saying that you've, you've missold the finance in all, all historical, but this is on the back of the FCA review going back starting in 2017. So it's all historical stuff, but they, they're very much trying to find out information to see if, if they've got a case against our client about mis-selling, about an unfair relationship, secret commissions, all that sort of stuff. Um, and at the moment, yes, it's, we are very busy with, with that. Um, but the key, the key for all our clients is that, you know, to get to send us in the letters to make sure that we can respond because the, the biggest problem is not responding. You know, that's, that's where we'll, we've only had one, currently one case that is, has gone to a court claim at the moment. And that was due to the client not responding. So basically just ignored it. It'll go away. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, hopefully, with 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 we're doing okay at the moment with them. That you know, not, we're not having any major problems. Um, but you know, the the key is that you know you need to respond to the to the to the letters. Um, so yeah. So John, um, this is the first time I've 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 heard I've heard similar things, but this is the first time I've specifically heard um, about this particular case. Um, are these all legitimate or are some of them sort of scams? So the legitimate in the fact that a car has been sold and a finance agreement has, has taken place. Uh, the legitimacy as far as has somebody been missold, um, that's, that's debatable. And actually, you know, the type of loan that they took out, you know, we're seeing an awful lot of manufacturer low rate deals. 
So if you've been told, you know, finance in the last few years at 5.9 APR, personally, I think that's a real good deal. So you're not likely to go out and get that anywhere else. There are other cases where the, the APR is probably in the 40s and you'd go, that, you know, that, that could be, a, is that a mis-selling? But then that's subprime lending. So you naturally expect higher, higher risk customers. They're not going to be able to get, get finance out on the high streets. So therefore, you know, these are the people that are, are going to lend you money. But obviously, they, you know, they need, their, risk, their risk is you not paying. Therefore, they're going to charge a higher rate of interest. So, so the missold, the, the, the basic, what they're saying is it's about the commission. So if a dealer earns £500 from, from a deal, what they're saying is they should have told the customer at the time. The FCA regulations were very much, you know, it's in the paperwork. It's up to you, Mr. Customer, if you want to ask about the commission. They changed the, 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 they changed the rules, so that's why this has now come about. And the, the, these companies have just decided, here's a potential opportunity. And that's why we're calling them the ambulance chases, the, the, you know, the no-win, no-feed scenario. And uh, I would imagine this is quite scary to dealers of, of all sizes. It doesn't matter if you're highly experienced and you've had years in the trade or you're relatively new. Anything like this has the potential to be to be really quite disconcerting and quite worrying. Yeah, and, and, and that's, you know, with, they, they range they range from, you know, one, one solicitor firm, it's an, eight, an 18 page letter, you know, going into, into great detail. Uh, and we, we have heard sort of uh, anecdotally that, that there are some, some dealers have paid out some money. You know, they've just gone, oh, how much do I need to throw at this to, for it to go away? And that's the last thing we think you should do. It's very much, you know, send it, send it over to us and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. You know, and, and as I say, that's, that seems to be the way forward at the moment. But, you know, the, there are some basic ones from solicitors. We've, we've also noticed solicitors sharing, sharing actual copy. So they are actually the same letter just from a different, a different, a different firm. So, uh, yeah, but it, it, the key is don't, you know, don't just try and deal with it on your own. So are these um, specific customers or are these solicitors just going to car dealers and saying, we think you've done something wrong? Or are they actually trying to stir up interest from car buyers to say, come on, come to us with your financing. Yeah. We'll tell you if you can get some yeah, money so back. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the, the, the scenario is that you, you probably find if, if you go on social media that you'll get, you'll get some advert pop up and it will say, have you been missold finance in the last 10 years? You literally fill out some basic details. They normally say, do you want to arrange a conversation? You literally click, you know, and they, they ask a few questions and they say, right, we'll, we'll see if we'll get some money. And that, that is it. So it's, it's, it is, the customer has to instigate, but I don't think the customer also realizes what is actually happening, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, if you've been, if you've, You've taken out a loan agreement. You've paid it for the last five years, no issues. Have you really got any problems with it? Mm. So, um, so yeah, that that's. But it's it's very much it's driven. It's, social media is 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 driving it. You go you go back ten years when maybe there could have been a problem. Um, you know, social media wasn't wasn't as prevalent. So therefore, you're not gonna. You didn't think, well, what do we do? You're not you're not gonna go and visit a solicitor and say. I think I've been missold some finance. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely social media driven. 
I think that's exactly the problem, isn't it, John? Because, um, you know, years ago, if, if, if there genuinely was a problem and the customer really felt aggrieved, they'd, they'd contact their solicitor and they'd, get, they'd, instigate, in, in, they'd instigate legal proceedings, wouldn't they? Whereas, you know, I sit, on, I sit on my social media all the time. I'm just scrolling through stuff and, and sat up comes, you know, have you been missold a Volkswagen? Have mm. you been missold, <laughs> been missold a diesel? Have you been miss... And people are bombarded by things these days aren't they and um i think long gone are the days where you know if there was blame there's a claim it's basically if you've bought anything there's a claim so i can understand why dealers feel really quite bombarded by all of this and and they feel as though they're open to attack the whole time mm. um joel how when because we spoke to you i think for this story the um the other week um when you say that there's lots of these coming in, sort of what numbers are you seeing of people being sent these letters? Uh, I think we spoke about this probably two years ago, saying it was a yeah. possibility, um, but it slowly picked up um, over the last years. And John joined the team nine months ago uh, with us, specifically looking at these finance, uh, right. these claims against us. So it's been his bag, but I think we've seen it pick up. You know, we, we have, about 75, 80% of our data base as our clients will be independent dealers. Mm. The rest will be franchises groups. Uh, we first see it come in off of our independence and we've just seen one or two cases. But now that we're in with the franchises, we're probably seeing, I mean, you had six just in one day on Friday, yeah, didn't six you? six on Friday. So we must be taking on 25, 25 a week, probably 100 a month. Yeah. Would that be fair? Yeah. Yes, the interesting thing is that the not only are they sending letters to our, our dealers, but they're, they're also sending letters to the to the lender as well. So it's a two pronged attack by them to to try and get this information. So the 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 finance companies are also under pressure. So if you if you imagine some of the big players, they they're getting thousands of these, and and the the message that we're we're hearing at the moment is that. The, if they're going to make a claim, it's more than likely it's going to be against the lender rather than the individual dealer. So there's sort of a, a little bit of a crumb of comfort there as far as, well, you know, who's the problem here? You know, if, if we're going to sort of lay any, any sort of blame, you sort of, well, well the lender are the ones that are, are overseeing this. They're the ones that look after it. They've allowed this to happen within the rules, you know, so nobody's broken any rules. This was what was allowable in you know years ago and it's still it's still to this day so it's it's the lenders are, are are coming under pressure as well so that that's sort of important to sort of note i think what's been good if there's any good out of this case is um we've built a relationship with some of the lenders whilst dealing with this case so they have been talking to us about how they're dealing with it um and keeping on top of it i think some people would say that maybe we shouldn't be shouting about this because it could attract attention of consumers but it does sound like it's far 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 beyond that point now and dealers really need to switch on to this sort of thing and make sure they're opening all their posts and checking those letters and doing something about it yeah well i think the message to consumers is we haven't had anyone win any money in court <laughs> this uh, but it is you know the ambulance chasers that are telling them they might get something but that hasn't been the case yet unless somebody's rolled over for their own sake hmm. Before we get into the quiz, there's one other thing that I really want to talk about, because um, 
it's come up on the car dealer forum and I'd love to get some answers from you guys about um, chargebacks on, well, not just on credit cards, but on debit cards as well. Um, I don't know if you guys can shed any light on what, what the situation is with that sort of thing. What's, um, what can dealers do if they find all of a sudden that the bank has told them that money is not available to them anymore uh, because the consumers complained? I think I want to say it's section something, but I'm going to look to you guys. You're thinking section 75 and, and charge back in section 75 are, are two different things. Yeah. So the credit card one is section 75, isn't it? No, it's, it's charge back. Oh, really? But I think there is, there is a there is a the the charge seventy five the section seventy five is kind of kind of linked, but you're you're interested in in charge back when when customer buy buys car doesn't not very happy bought it on his credit card and then does a charge back so his his credit card company goes yeah there's your four grand back or however much it will be and then basically that that you, the credit card company then then gets the money back off the uh, the other the other people's bank that that's basically the charge back we we've we've seen a few but i wouldn't say that we get a lot of them but again the key to all of this is that the the the, the dealer does get an opportunity to question it to actually you know try and fight it there is a process but again we get them and it's probably a month too late. Right. You know what I mean? The money's, the money's already gone because the, 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 the credit card company does give you an opportunity to go, what's happened here? But if you think about it, normally the only reason why, why would a customer do a chargeback? They're not happy. Why are they not happy? What, what have you done to resolve that complaint in the first instance? Is it another case of, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ignore it, it'll go away. Oh hell, the money's come out of my account. It's that hitting it early, customer, customer not happy. How are you going to resolve it? If you don't resolve it, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do a charge back. Mm. And they can. And sometimes it works. And so is it the same thing on debit cards? Or and do dealers get that same opportunity? They should be yeah. making sure they fight their corner. Yeah. Brilliant. I think so, another another way to avoid that is probably to have bank transfers as your number one way or yeah. form of paying for a vehicle. Say, well, we do bank transfers. Don't give them the option on the credit card or the debit card in the first instance. Good advice. Um, so I'll stop grilling you guys for now um, and we'll explain how the quiz is going to work this week. Uh, Batch and I have both chosen our five favourite stories that have appeared on Car Dealer, and we don't know what each other have chosen. We're going to take it in turns to reveal our story, and as Batch is back, he's going to go first this week. Okay, are you sure, are you sure about that? Because I think I'm probably going to be going for a story which you're going to go for. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think that's okay. probably well, why. I've, I've got to start with the biggest story of the week, and, it, and we covered it over the weekend. Um, and when when uh, when our internal editorial WhatsApp group kicked off on Saturday morning, um, my eyebrows were very much raised at <laughs> this story. So, um, so on Saturday we covered how um, Pendragon has thrown out a secretive bid to buy it for four hundred million pounds, and the and the and the the company that's trying to buy Pendragon was put in a bid to. 
uh, by the dealership group is Heading Group, which of course they own around a quarter there of, of, of the shares anyway. Um, but um, uh, people will know, I'm sure many listeners will know that um, Trevor Finn, who was who once uh, was uh, the, the CEO of Pendragon, uh, he was he was uh, he left Pendragon in 2019, but he joined the board at Heading Group. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago now in 2020. So uh, the, the big question about all of this is, uh, does this uh, if if if, uh, if if Heading Group are successful in finally acquiring Pendragon, does this mark a return for Trevor Finn? That is the mm-hmm. that's the big question that everyone wants to know. Um, now, it's, it's interesting, this one, because uh, I think a lot of people in the industry uh, re- highly regard Trevor. Um, they see him as a very good operator. Uh, Pendragon grew a lot, became very profitable under, under Trevor. Um, and I think plenty of people would like to see him back on the scene. So um, that's that's one big question. And, and also, my, my, my other feeling about this is... Um, I don't want to use the C word again, but but with, with COVID, I mean, it's, oh. it's, it's been such a seismic thing that's happened in the industry, hasn't it? It seems like everything is possible. And uh, there's been a, a large number of, of big things that have happened in the last two years. You know, you only have to think of Cambria Automobiles, for example, the, the big shock about that being taken off the off the stock exchange and it going private. And it does seem as though these big dealer groups there there's a lot of action going on amongst them you know before before covid it seems to be it was very plain sailing with all, with all the dealer groups and now it, it, it there seems to be some 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 choppy waters so that's what took my eye over the weekend i'm sure you probably uh, yes. your eye as, as, as well becca yes that was on my list as well and i think the speculation is that there's probably going to be another offer made slightly more um whether that's true or not i'm not sure Yes, well, I mean, it's, it was immediate. It sounds it was a secretive bid. It sounds as though the other shareholders weren't aware of, of this. But I should credit the source. It was the Times who, who who covered this story, and it does seem as though um, it does seem as though um, uh, the other shareholders weren't aware of it. And it was a secretive bid. So I, I would imagine Heading Group are going to um, table another offer, but um, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. Mm. What do you two think? I'm going to turn to you. Do you think Trevor Finn is coming back? Um, well, I was like, these things, they don't just happen overnight, do they? Well, that's a secret thing. This has been planned for some time. Um, whether we get Trevor Finn back or not, yeah. <laughs> Come on, break I'll the story, watch, Joel. I'll wait and watch that. <laughs> no breaking story on that one here. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting story. Obviously, very early days, but um, exciting to see what's happening, obviously. Mm. Uh, sorry, I meant Sky News, not the Times. Oh, I do 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 want to clarify that. Just okay, to, uh, just in case. Not give, not give Times the uh, credit there. <laughs> Shall I um, go for my next story? Yeah, please Which do. I, um... We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and Cargurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. 
That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz. I think it's a slightly strange one, but I could not not mention the fact that um, this is another story from the weekend as well about Extinction Rebellion protesters disrupt election campaign launch at luxury car dealership, Joe Macari, which is just the, the strangest combination. I felt I even ignoring the Extinction Rebellion thing. I love the fact that the Education Secretary was launching his campaign in a supercar dealership. Um, and I, this must be so much more to this story about why that has happened. Um, but yeah, so Extinction Rebellion weren't very happy about it um, and turned up to protest about um, how they were at a supercar dealership, obviously surrounded by like million pound cars, I'm sure, um, kind of highlighting the, um, the divide, as well as obviously the, um, the eco side of things they weren't very happy about either. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did you think back about this story? Did well, you find it shocking? Well, it wasn't surprising that I had this written down as, as well. Uh, but, I'm surprised I you mean, weren't invited. Again, yeah, <laughs> but I had it written down because again, it was it, 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 this this story we we wrote we covered this story over the over, over the weekend, and I was just again I had to I had to read the headline about three times and read the story about ten times because it's an, it's an absolutely incredible story, isn't it? And yeah. um. I know Extinction Rebellion. They 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 um they came in for a lot of criticism last year. Of course, they had a, a mass number of, of demonstrations, particularly on the M25, um, and they, they sort of gone away. And then they've they've suddenly come back and they've they've targeted Joe Macari. And it's just it is absolutely extraordinary. Although I you know I don't want to be on the side of Extinction Rebellion because I'm not part of part of their cause. Although I think they actually say they're not a cause are they but um I'm, I'm not part of their cause at all but I do have to sort of agree with them a little bit on this because um what a, what a bizarre place to 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 relaunch your election campaign at a luxury supercar dealer I mean of all the places that you could choose you choose to, to do it at a, at, a, at a supercar dealer I mean I don't know the full in the full story about it but um Extinction Rebellion, the statement they they said was, uh, what, what does this choice of a luxury car showroom as the venue for the launch of their campaign for re-election in the May local elections say about Wandsworth Council's commitment to addressing the climate emergency, which they declared almost three years ago in July 2019? Um, I mean, if, if that is true, again, it just it just emphasizes why on earth was this location chosen so um yeah a, a very very bizarre story i mean does that does that surprise you too joel or was uh, me and becca just being a little bit too jumpy about yeah. all of this i i actually agree with you um it was a good question they raised i had to go and look at the video because it said they'd been brutally manhandled off the premises so <laughs> i went onto twitter found the video and they were you know asked to leave and maybe they dragged one of the members out. But what surprised me was there was only two people campaigning. Oh, really? Well, in the video, there's only two campaigners there. Wow. I mean... I don't know whether they've lost football there. <laughs> is the business secretary going to be launching their campaign at your headquarters? <laughs> well, is this, this is an opportunity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get the red carpet out for them. Yeah, very, very strange. 
Cumberbatch move us on to something hopefully slightly more normal. Well, I can't, I'm afraid, Becca. I mean, there oh, was no. a, again, there was an, another, I mean, it was a week a week of, of really strange stories. I mean, we cut, there was lots of sort of very normal news, but there was also lots of strange news. And um, uh, one, one of them was um, the undercover report by the Times here. So mm. this, this is correct. So the Times uncovered this. It, uh, they found that the, uh, the DVLA staff lounged in bed whilst watching Netflix uh, whilst back backlogs hit record levels. This is an interesting story in itself, but particularly because we've got uh, logistics on, because I, I, I really want to get their uh, views on this, because, um, so the story was DVLA workers who caused nightmare delays, and that's in speech marks, for dealers last year, uh, did no work while lounging in bed on full pay, an investigation by the Times has found. Um, the report found that 3,400 out of 6,200 DVLA staff were placed on paid special leave during the height of the pandemic. Um, employees complained they were too vulnerable to go into the office, but it was later discovered that some holidayed and partied while not working. One even complained to the undercover reporter that his manager had interrupted my series on Netflix. So I could imagine, I mean, if you were deep, if you were engrossed in a, in a Netflix series such as The Crown, I think I'd be very angry if, uh, for instance, James Baggett phoned me up and said, could you do something? So I think <laughs> I, quite rightly so. I think, you know, once once you're engrossed in something like The Crown, you, you know, nothing's going to put you off, really, is it? But um, the reason why this is this is so um were enraging to car dealers is because it was during the time where their dealers were facing enormous difficulty in actually getting uh, cars uh, uh, registered and all the other and taxed and etc. Um, and you know dealers were having a tough time actually getting customers to buy cars during the pandemic. And when they actually sold them, they they realised that actually getting them. Uh, taxed was was uh, even more of a hurdle. So, um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure uh, I'm sure Joe and John, you 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 came across the you must have heard heard of some very angry car dealers during uh, during during this time. What over the DVLA issue? Over the DVLA issue, because of course it wasn't just this, but of course they went on strike as well. So. Um, it was there was some very angry dealers. Well, we we heard of some very angry dealers, and I'm sure you must have heard of some as well. I'm trying to think back over that time because I do remember that it was an issue, uh, but there was so much inconvenience anyway during COVID. It wasn't the biggest one, and as far as delays go at DVLA, nothing changed really. <laughs> <laughs> Just had a better excuse. <laughs> as far as the the people having time off. It was called special leave, wasn't it? And I suppose yes. how do you define special leave? <laughs> well, again, again, I mean, it's, it, it does. It's. It, it, I, th I think the the fact it was called special leave was, I think, the, the DVLA knew exactly what they were doing, really, doesn't it? Because it's yeah, special terminology. But leave would suggest to me that they're not doing much anyway. Yeah, yeah. But to put them on full pay when we had the furlough, that does seem strange. I don't know what, you know, perhaps it was that they were calling them back. Mm. We know how the DVLA are. We know their systems and processes are a bit archaic uh, and there are some delay there. But I can't, <clears throat> yeah, I can't remember it being a particular problem for our clients. Mm. I, I just think it was ironic, James, you mentioned some of them were partying. 
and uh, obviously you know the DVLA is 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 the uh, run by the, the the government, isn't it? And uh, is there a link there? I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about there at all. I haven't haven't got a clue <laughs> because, funnily enough, that 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 particular issue of the parting seems to have sort of disappeared a little bit, hasn't it? Mm. Because of course. Where, where is the Sue Gray report? I think there is a national campaign to try and find Sue Gray, isn't there? Because she's disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, but just to balance the story out a little bit, the Transport Secretary Grant Shapps, I can never say his name properly, Grant Shapps, 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 said he was deeply concerned and demanded quick answers from the DVLA. But the DVLA have come back and they've said the undercover report was not representative of the hardworking culture within the company. So who knows? But uh, really, out of, out of two years of, and especially recently with, with various reports of government bodies and, and the government itself not sticking to the rules, I'm increasingly getting to the point where nothing really surprises me anymore. So, um, so. Mm. Did true. you have that down, Becca, or did you? No, I in? didn't have that one. But oh. I think I'm a bit of a sympathiser, and I feel like everyone was off anyway. But I do listening to you talk about it. I do think there was a lot of work to be done still. So <laughs> yes. I'd sort of forgotten about what a pain it was. Um, it seems like they've sorted things out recently, though, to their credit. Hmm. <laughs> well, if anyone's if anyone's listening to this and they're having difficulties with the DVLA, please do get in touch. Um, but please Julie don't, go to, James chaser. don't go to <laughs> yeah. an ambulance chaser and try and get your money back because um, that, that, that could be a podcast for another day. That one. <laughs> um, shall I do my next story then? Please do. Yeah. Um, this is the story that Nissan is going to stop selling the GTR in Europe. Did you have that one as well? I did, yes. I didn't think you'd do this one. This was going to be my be my and finally story. But, oh, so you carry on, Becca. You carry on. It's fine. It's, yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting story. I'll let you give a bit more context to it. But basically, after 13 years, they've decided, well, they've been forced to due to strict new noise regulations. Um, so I'm interested to know what other cars this is going to attack, because I don't think the GTR is particularly noisier than other supercars. No, I think I think it's it's only from from memory. It's the Nismo one that costs like one hundred and eighty grand. I think that's the the noisiest right. one. I mean, the, the standard GTR never re, it was never really a particularly noisy car. I mean, no. it, that wasn't that wasn't the whole point of the car. It had a twin turbo V six, but that wasn't really the whole point of the car. It was more about its you know, absolutely incredible four wheel drive system. So. I mean, it does it does raise the, 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 the likelihood of other cars going down this route. I mean, you know, I've recently I, I drove an, an Audi RS3 and um, and I was thinking, you know, the big fuss about this car was, of course, it's five cylinder engine is hark back to to, to 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 the golden days of the five cylinder engine and quattro four wheel drive. And yet when you actually drive it hard, it doesn't actually sound particularly uh, great compared to how it used to and that is because of all the, the particulate filters in the in the exhaust and 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 not only is there an, an eco aspect to that but of course they've got to bring the noise down because these things can get very very noisy so but of course you know like like you alluded to there there are a whole number of cars you know anything from italy for example sounds an awful lot louder than, than the nissan but um i mean it it's just it's just a shame isn't it because it, it it's it, it, the GTR is one of those cars which, if people are asking, oh, what supercar should I buy? It's, it's not one of those cars that you actually recommend. 
is it? But it is an absolutely phenomenal piece of kit. And um, and also it's just another sign of, of, of you know, potentially the future is, you know, this is another mm. golden age car that is being killed off and, and what's going to be next? Because of course, I think part, I, I personally think part of the, the reason why it's been axed is, is of course because of the, the noise restrictions, but also Nissan, it goes against Nissan's image in, in, in Europe, doesn't it? You know, particularly sure. in the UK at the moment, it's all about the new Aria when it finally, when it finally launches in this country. Um, and of course the Leaf and, and, and Nissan has got an electric car agenda to pursue in Europe. Um, but um, uh, whereas elsewhere in the States, it's very different. Of course, Nissan, Nissan dealers will be able to sell the new Z sports car, which of course we're not going to be getting in Europe. Um, mm despite the fact that we, we want it um but we're not going to get it so yeah it's it's a very sad story but it but it's just another example of, of where we're going in europe isn't it mm. john you strike me as a gtr man is that what you're driving uh skoda fabia so i'm not really, uh. not really in a great place to comment uh, i'm brutally honest very similar <clears throat> batch go for your story then as i stole yours um right I, remember, I could bring my notes up here wait a oh. minute um uh ah, yes so um so i think this is my final story because we mm. shared so many uh stories here becca we're so in tune it's great um so my final story is inch cape um now it came out they, they made an announcement to the stock exchange uh, uh this week saying um that they are um, withdrawing, well, they're not just withdrawing from Russia, but they're closing down their Russian operations. Of course, Inchcape is an absolutely enormous company, um, let's not forget. Um, but of course, a number of companies have come out recently because of the Russia-Ukraine situation. A number of companies have, have come out and said they're temporarily withdrawing uh, their operations in Russia. Of course, big brands like McDonald's and Starbucks, and et cetera, et cetera. But Inchcape have gone one step further. They've said they're going to sell their business entirely in Russia. Um, and they've also said they're going to, they're pledging more money to help refu refugees, although it's a lovely line to, to, to make, and I'm sure they are. But when we actually contacted them to find out exactly how much that pledge was, they, 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 didn't, they didn't want to tell us. So um, that aside, I mean, it's, I think there's also a wider question here really isn't there that um you know what is the fallout from a business perspective from the 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 russia ukraine situation um i mean not just the ceasing or halting of, of any trade with russia but it's it's also the wider implications of you know for instance parts not being manufactured in ukraine for example because we've heard that ukraine actually supplies a lot of technological parts for for, for electronics for, for various applications um, so what is what are the implications of parts not being manufactured and, and distributed from from war torn parts of the world? I think we we're going to be seeing more of this 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 whole Ukraine situation. I think the, the shockwaves of this, not just politically but economically, are going to be felt are going to be felt for a very long time. And it's a story that we're covering quite a bit on Car Dealer about you know the, the actual effect of Ukraine on on the new car market and of course in turn the the used car market so I don't know what you think about that Beck I don't know whether you have that written down as well uh, I didn't have that one actually but I think um, at the moment everyone I talk to seems vaguely positive because obviously shortage of new cars has not been that bad so far we've seen used car prices continue to climb but as you say I do think we're going to see 
the ripples continue and this could become a very bad situation um, because it's only going to compound a problem that already exists. So, yeah, I just think they've got to sort something out. I sort of mentioned this last week. Um, manufacturers must be coming up with solutions to bring things back up. It's not like the semiconductors where they just can't get hold of the stuff. These are things that were were being made in factories. Mm. And well, it does. I mean, I've been I've been thinking quite a lot about this, and I don't know whether we're going to be seeing more of in the future i mean not not i'm not talking about tomorrow but in the future are we going to be seeing more localized production yeah where things are produced more are we going to go back to the which is far more localized production you've got a, a car factory and the suppliers are all within a a, a, a small radius of each other i mean you know it, it, in, in, ironically it's it's something which the british used to be very good at you think of of rover and and the, the entire part virtually the entire part supply was was within a was in the the, the west midlands wasn't it so mm. possibly we might go back to those days where we're not totally reliant upon a supply chain that that uses parts you know in, you know built in various small various parts of the world and and having to be shipped in and, and flown in to actually build a car so Perhaps that's a little bit a step too far in my thinking there, but I, it, it has got me thinking whether we are actually going to witness a change in, in, in how we produce things in the future. It's so a, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it would have to take a lot of tech out of the car to do that, wouldn't we, James? Mm. Well, well, yes, and, and also you know, me quoting Rover there is not a particularly good example because, of course, there's zero tech in their cars. So, mm. um, but, that's where we might be going. I think also yeah. with the delay on uh, new cars being made, it gives the DVLA some chance to catch up, doesn't it? <laughs> very true, very true. It's, it's one of those things where even I would not want to be a manufacturer at the moment, basically, because can you imagine trying to plan for, well, do we try and move the production of this to somewhere else? But then what if we can get back in? What if we can't? It's going to take years to set up a new factory. I mean, how do you plan when there's so much confusion and so much unknown? Um, yeah. I'm a consumer waiting for a new car. And it, are you? It's, it's, it's another excuse. And I know it's not another excuse because I can see it's a real, a real thing. But because there's been delay after delay, you can't believe we're never given a delivery time or we're written to and said, it'll be next july now or it'll be august it'll be before august and now they're not even quoting august mm. so it's very difficult how long yeah. have you been waiting so far um i think it was meant to be it was meant to be march this year when i ordered last year in september and mm. they've pushed it back to august now they've pushed it back twice so how has the level of, of communication been? I mean, has the dealer been particularly good, good, good at this or um, have you felt quite let down? Uh, it's actually through a lease company. So the lease company's uh, been quite automated. So, you know, you've got to read into the messages that you get because it says that it's in production, they're waiting for your spec and you think I've gave you the spec on the day of the order. So you question <laughs> what are you waiting to know about the spec and then that's not the case. So you can't really work out why there's a delay. I got to the fact <clears throat> I've got a van on order and I've got a car on order. The van, they came back the other day and said they can't actually get the van. So they're gonna spec it out, but they can't get the actual uh, 
chassis of the uh, van. Well, as we know, the, the van market, I mean, it's, it's, it's a completely different ball game when it comes to cars. I mean, the, the demand of vans has just been absolutely incredible, hasn't it? Um, yeah. So so you haven't been tempted to cancel the lease and go and buy a used car then, Jill, because that's what a lot of people have, have been doing. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I did look around, but I had my heart set on something. Um, so, yeah, I've kept my lease for another year. But, you know, it's going to cause a problem because I think it's, it's going to be these lease companies because they're trying to get new vehicles to lease out. And we're all in the fourth year of a lease now because of the pandemic. We didn't do the mileage. The lease companies don't want cars back that are over four years old because they're not worth much to them. So all these cars are going to go off. And that's the funny thing. With, you know, I'm looking at salespeople's cars and I took them on for an extra year um, on the lease. But I'm, now they've written to us and said, right, in July, you've got to look for new cars. We might just have to take what's, what's available. But if someone wants a choice and says, well, this is the particular one I want, then we would look at the secondhand market and perhaps buy secondhand cars. Oh, so good news for secondhand dealers at the moment over that. Mm. Yes. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if some car dealers actually get in touch after this podcast, Jill. You might have made a rod for your own back there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll sell them something if they're not members. Yeah, it works both ways. <laughs> um, my last story is one that I didn't think I could not mention with logistics on the show, which is, of course, a, a dodgy car dealer story that we had this week about a court case. I love being able to see both of you. And as soon as I mention something, you're like, oh, <laughs> what's she going to say? Oh, um, my God, what can we say about this? I yeah. <laughs> well, I just thought it might be an interesting opportunity for you to give another little warning to car dealers, because so this story, um, I don't think this is a very typical car dealer. I like to think it's not a typical car dealer. Um, was ordered to pay nearly £13,300 after selling a Subaru Forester with dodgy brakes and corrosion so bad that it was unsafe to be on the road. So this car was sold for £3,500 and was definitely not worth um, selling as this person has now um, been fined. What's that? More three, four times? Four times the price of the car? Um, and they also had to pay a full refund to the customer. And then there was um, also a £1,620 fine. Um, so what do you what do you two have to say about this? I'm assuming this wasn't one of your clients. We couldn't say if it was one of our clients. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> it's, it's a typical case. It's the sort of thing you'd use, you, you'd get um, through on the legal helpline. The £13,000 put it, puts it into a new category. It's going to cost a lot. Um, would you say that's, you know, this is a fast track case, not the normal yeah, case? Yeah, it's over, over 10,000. But I think the, the key here for me is that, you know, obviously the, the vehicle was sold by Gumtree, I believe. Mm. Um, so again, it's sort of, you know, is that is that the best method to, to be selling your vehicles? Are you thinking I'll sell it via, you know, Gumtree, auction sites, whatever, to try and sort of, get rid of any sort of statutory rights that are involved but the key, the key here for you know if 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 that client phoned me up and said look i've got a problem you know i've sold this car for three and a half thousand pounds and you know well what what's going on that's the sort of stuff that we get involved in early doors to to provide the necessary advice to maybe you know let's let's get underneath it a little bit and find out what you know is this car was it any good 
you know, and, and sometimes, you know, even though the, the dealer thinks it's it's an okay car, you sometimes have to bite the bullet and say, well, look, you know, it's happened within the first 30 days or whatever, let's take it back. And, you know, the, the least, the least, well, the, the least problem that you've got is that it's, you're just going to give them the money back, you know, or you, you dig your heels in and say, there's nothing wrong with this car and, and let it go all the way to court. You know, we always say to all our clients, 50-50 on the day, you know, you could win, you could lose, you know, and in this case he's lost and, and look how much it's cost him. And it's just, mm. you know, that's where, you know, as legal advisors from logistics, we very much sort of, you know, try and provide, even though you might have to feel as though you've done nothing wrong, sometimes you do have to bite the bullet and say, well, actually, you know, yeah, it probably wasn't the best car that I've sold. And, and actually it's not, it's not going to go in your favour. So therefore... You know, bail out early and uh, have less pain moving forward. Mm. It's another thing I see on the car dealer forum all the time. People saying, just get out of it. Just forget the opportunity. Just buy the car back. It's not worth the hassle. And then you get about a 50-50 split of the people who go, well, they were in the wrong. I know the car was right. Exactly what you're saying. Um, it becomes emotional. That, that's half the problem. It, you know, they take the emotion out of it. It's like you know, you, you know, a customer might have said something slightly, slightly wrong, and they, they take offence from it. And that's where I think sometimes it's like you know, I'm sticking to my principles. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that car. Well, actually, you know, sometimes you know, it's a used car, and these things do happen. You've sometimes got to say, well, let's let's bail out early, you know, to uh, you know, you know, because that would have probably taken over twelve months to get to that point. Do you know what I mean? So there's, wow. you end up getting the, you know, the car back. It's worth nothing at that point because there's another 12 months down the line. So that's why sometimes it's better to get out early, buy the car back, at least then if you're saying there's nothing wrong with that car, well, sell it to somebody else. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's where I think they, you know, they, they do dig their heels in and get a bit sort of emotional about it. Uh, I don't like the way they're speaking to me. Well, you know, they have a right to do that. You know, it's the way you deal with it as well. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, no, an interesting story. And, of and course, think, sorry, Joe, carry on. No, well, you might shut me down because it was a little plug about logistics. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> the difference between going to a solicitor or coming to logistics, you know, if you go to a solicitor with that emotion, I want to get this client, I, want, I don't want them to have a penny, they're going to say, okay, well, we'll write the letters back and start to rack up some bills and make this an impossible case. Whereas when you come to us, we're going to be frank and explain to you how things can rack up and say sometimes principle will cost you dearly, but what you're paying for is some commercial advice here, and that might be the best way to fix it. Not saying that we won't fight a good case, uh, but we tend to look at them, and if we think there's no chance, then we'll probably be looking to mitigate your losses and get out of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the only thing I was going to add was... Um, you know, not only is it taking a huge amount of time and, and of course, financial costs now, but I know this, this is probably not at the forefront of this particular dealer's mind, but you have lost that customer for life now, haven't you? Um, and that customer will go away and, and tell all their friends and they might even post things on the internet, whatever. Whereas, okay, when there was a fault, when, when it started to go wrong, the customer is still going to be angry that they've been sold a faulty car. But if, but if the dealer... Um, had uh, dealt with it in, in a timely and polite way, they might have been able to sell them another car. And um, so I know there's a lot of ifs and buts in that, but this is, this is the problem that you're absolutely right, John, that the emotion gets into it, the principles kick in, don't they? 
um, but 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 there isn't much thought for the fact that you, you've you've lost a customer for life there, and 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 that should that should never never be forgotten, really. Mm. I remember talking to a customer once, and they said, if we actually rigged every car to go wrong, we could guarantee repeat business <laughs> because they would put every car right that did go wrong. They didn't take that principle, but it was showing you the fact that when things go wrong, if you do deal with it in a way that makes the customer happy you will get repeat business, not just from that person, but their friends that mm. they pass it on and say, do you know what, I brought a car. And that's quite odd that you buy a car, it goes wrong. And if the dealer fixes it, you'll buy another car off them. Yeah. Mm. Buy a car and it's fine. You probably never see them again because the customer will take it for granted that that was just a good car and they were good at buying cars. Because in reality, you just don't know with these secondhand cars what might go wrong. Mm. Lots of good advice there from everybody. Um, so as that's the end of our story stories firstly do you two think that we've missed anything you can say no it's fine we like that <laughs> well you have got quite yeah no i think you've given some good stories there there was lots of other ones we read you've really been firing out the stories there's been a lot going on yeah there's a lot to choose from there. um so who do you think is the winner then you can confer between you if you yeah, like. Yeah, we'll just confer them with two. <laughs> Batch, it goes to you this week. Ah, ah, oh, so I haven't, been, <laughs> I haven't been on for about three months and I come back and I win immediately. It's almost <laughs> like I'm good at my job. So. <laughs> almost. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Becca, I hope you invite us back again. <laughs> of course, I'll forgive you. No, it's been lovely to have you on, particularly getting the opportunity to pick your brains on lots of things. Hopefully we might have helped somebody today as well. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened as well. We'll be back again next week with another podcast. So don't forget to subscribe and be notified when a new episode goes live. If you're listening on Spotify, you can now swipe up at the end and you can vote for if you thought maybe I won instead or if you think Batch won. But you do let us know. Um, that sounds desperate, Becca. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on a winning streak, I'll have you know. I've won nearly everyone this year against James. Um, if you want to find out more about any of the stories we mentioned today, you can click the links in the show notes or you can head over to carddealermagazine.co.uk and scroll down to the podcast section. Thank you again to our guest today and until next time, goodbye.